Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, sitting here with Thomas Patrick Dorian. Dorian How are Dorian, you, Deacon Dorian. Jeff? I'm doing so well. I'm, I'm tickled. Are you tickled? <laughs> but not pickled. That's right. That's good. So you're tickled, and that's awesome. And uh, I'm sure you're also tickled because, to your right, is sitting Ziggy. The world-famous Ziggy Rodriguez. All right, all right, all right. That's right. So so glad we are here. And we are in the middle of evangelizing. I mean, that's the Catholic Cafe. That's what we do. Mm-hmm. I mean, we evangelize. And we're talking about uh, this this wonderful list. I say it's wonderful. I wrote it. But it's, it's a wonderful <laughs> list. And I compiled it. I shouldn't say I wrote it because some of these principles are things that I've just gathered as successful ways to evangelize. Mm-hmm. And these are sort of my top ten principles and we have decided to do a show about each one of these. Uh, the, the, call it the Decalogue for Evangelization. Not to replace the Decalogue, but these are important principles that, I, that I've found to be successful when evangelizing. Um, and so I'll just rattle through them here. Know Jesus and make him known. That's number one. Number two, meet people where they are and journey with them to where they are called to be. Number three, live for the future in the present, informed by history. That's today. And uh, number four, back to the basics. Number five, make it relevant. Number six, collaborate to accomplish great things. Number seven, teach a man to fish. Number eight, salvation is born of the family. Number nine, it makes a difference to this one. And number ten, there is a God and I am not him. And so we will cover each one of those topics uh, and put those up on the website for people to see. So we're going to talk about number three. All right. We're going to talk about living for the future in the present informed by history and you're thinking what does this have to do with evangelization mm-hmm. i mean it's not the goal of evangelization to basically get people on your team to be able to say hello come over here and y'all get up on the bus with us yeah right and so whatever it takes to entice them to get them up on the bus that's a successful thing um to present right and and i say no um i, I think those are short-lived um victories mm-hmm. Right, they, they don't they don't last. They're 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 shallow victories because they don't have the roots. And and I say it that way because um, this idea of seeing the church in in this um, in this way in history, it it sort of mirrors the eternity of God. So seeing the church as in eternity, which is how the church is presented to us in Scripture, mm-hmm. right? A lot of, all the prophecies from the Old Testament, um, and and certainly how God presents Himself to us. In Scripture, where, like in Hebrews chapter 13, the eighth verse, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, mm-hmm. right? And then we, we pray the glory be, right? And at the end of that prayer, we say, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. We say, as uh, it was in the beginning, you know, past, is now, present, and ever shall be, future. Right. And we see all this together, and it kind of helps us to see, I think, that um, you know, it's hard for us as humans because we live these sort of linear lives, right? We're on a timeline. We are, we're born, and then the seconds tick on this big giant clock, and then we die, right? And that's our perspective. And, and so we live in, in a finite sort of timed uh, experience. But in heaven, heaven is outside of time. 
and that's it. It's, it's, I think it's impossible for us to actually fathom. We can describe it, mm-hmm. but I mean, ultimately, what it means to uh, to say is is you know everything in heaven has happened, is happening, and will happen all at the same time in the mm-hmm. simultaneity of eternity. Is what yes. Saint Augustine says. Simultaneity. He was good at uh, you but know you inventing words. Yes. Yeah. Well, he Sim- said it in Latin, I guess technically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the simultaneity. So how that works. I don't think that we know. I don't think that our minds can really fathom that. But again, I don't want to know. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be able to define God. I don't want to put God in a little box and right. contain him. So seeing that, then when, you, when you're evangelizing, we're actually inviting people into that concept. And it's a radical concept anyhow, just the pre- notion of... A we lit- say any who. Any who. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Why is it radical? Well, Sam? just you know, and before Christ, almost everybody had a circle, a cyclical like concept of time, right? You know that it would just you'd have these varying seasons, but you know history would repeat itself. There wasn't a notion of time having a, a concrete beginning and a journeying towards something. Mm-hmm. And so here we're talking about a God who's outside of time, but who also took on flesh to step into time. Yeah. And uh, to invite us by journey to join him forever outside of time. <laughs> so, I mean, that is extraordinarily deep mm-hmm. and rich and beautiful and radical. There are still people sitting in some dark rooms in the Vatican smoking cigars trying to figure that out. <laughs> I mean, I literally think that that's something that, you know, when you want to sit with your philosopher friends, and we all have them. Mm-hmm. Right, so some of us don't, you know, want to spend a lot of time with them because nope. we feel stupid <laughs> yep. around them. But the thing is, you know, it, it is an interesting conversation to hear people sort of posit theories mm-hmm. about how this could work because we don't know because we literally live. It's kind of like understanding fully the supernatural because we live in the natural. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we we have empirical evidence. We have we have things around us we can touch and feel, and then we experience things. Um, that are sort of supernatural, and and we when we, things we can't quantify, mm-hmm. and we get confused easily. And I think a lot of people, uh, myself included, in in my sort of darkest days that I could look back at my life and realize problems were were abounding in my life. You know, I wasn't able to see outside of my own little time, my own experience, and so I just sort of saw myself in some kind of little bubble just kind of floating through time or, or moving on this on this linear path that I have n- no control over. And, and it's pretty daunting. And it's the idea that there is something that is eternal, right, is, is hard, I think, for a lot of people to grasp. And if you can imagine someone who needs to hear the gospel, who, <coughs> who needs salvation, someone who, which is everyone, but, but someone who's in a more desperate time, mm-hmm. someone who you're trying to evangelize, Someone who you're trying to share the charisma, someone who you're trying to help them know that there's a better way, right? Those folk, me included, at, the, at certain times in my life, we're not very receptive to the concept of eternity. Mm-hmm. We're, we're so worried about, like, how am I going to pay the bills? How am I going to get over this illness? How am I going to kick this addiction? How am I going to deal with this grief or this problem or this terrible person in my life? And you start to realize that everything is, like, you, you get wrapped up in that. So if we're going to evangelize, we have to invite them into a concept of eternity. It sometimes it's the first thing you do mm. with some people because, I, you know, if, if you don't want to say, like, here's the easy fix, 
you know, push push the green button and everything will be happy. Right. Right. And that's unfortunately not the way it works. So people who get, we'll say, you know, um, saved uh, at some kind of weekend experience, I, I will recognize that there can be a... a um, a, a, a huge influx of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. you know, a pouring over of the Holy Spirit. I, and wonderful things can happen in those experiences. Life-changing things. Absolutely. But they're only truly life-changing if there's roots there. Like if there's ways for you to grow, right, and not just have this sort of, I mean, we all know the expression, flash in a pan. Mm-hmm. I mean, I myself have had some moments where I've gone to some of these uh uh, wonderful conventions or conferences, you know, especially retreats. you go to like, you go to retreats, you go to a youth conference and you got like this band up there and it's, it, they're just singing beautifully and the lights are all out and there's this big, you know, spotlight down on the monstrance and, 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 and the kids are just singing at the top of their lungs. That is a Holy Spirit moment. And I don't doubt that the Holy Spirit is present there. The question is when they leave that environment, Right? Are they taking the Holy Spirit with them? And I phrase it that way because I think the Holy Spirit would gladly go with them. But sometimes we, we're, we're like in that moment. And so a lot of times we put all of our, our stock, you know, all of our experience in the emotion of the moment. And, and we don't see the longevity. Right. It's a flash. And, and it's meant to be transformative. And it's beautiful when it is. And I, I've got uh, stories. I've, I've, I've talked to people who have been moved by something. But what it caused them to do then was to investigate. Mm-hmm to seek, to go deeper. And I use that expression deeper because, again, connect it to the roots, Mm. right? And so when someone looks deeper, then it's like they suddenly see this this church of the past, Mm -hmm. the church of the present that's relevant in the present, and then the church for the future, right? If you think about it, I think the Catholic Church in its fullness um, of Revelation is really the only church that can proclaim that uh, visible, uh, tangible, experiential, historical perspective, right? 2,000 years old in terms of, uh, 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 you know, from the time of Jesus founding the church. Mm-hmm. We go back to Matthew chapter 16, right? Mm-hmm. You are Peter on this rock, I'll build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I'll give to you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. What you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. What you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And, and we hear that, right, 2,000 years ago. So there's that history. And then, but we need a church that's relevant to us here now at this time. And a church that is going to lead us and carry us and take us into the future. So you're saying that this church is in a state of journeying. Just as each individual person is in a state of judgment. That's right. And then we have to help a person recognize that the church is a pilgrim just as they are a pilgrim. And one thing that comes to mind there is the importance of us be recognizing ourselves as experiential learners and learning from our mistakes. And even mm-hmm. as church, being a divine institution entrusted to sinners, being able to have an honest account of mistakes that were made along the way by church leaders and what we can learn from them as we move forward... I can say from my own personal experience, when I first kind of had a major conversion experience in October of 2011, it took me years before I was really able to look at my past meaningfully as something that helped 
get me to where I was today. I just was so mad at myself and ashamed that it took me that long to give my life to Christ mm-hmm. that I didn't want to recognize that God could have been using the the times where I was messing up and running away from him right. to help form me and that God has a perfect plan that takes all of our mistakes into account. It took me years to wake up to the fact that he wants us to have an integrated view of our very self, including the past that brought us mm-hmm. to that present where we see, are. See, and when people recognize that, I think that's what's life-changing, right? When they, when they see that, I, I still remember uh, preaching a homily one time talking about the moments, right? The, the, the moments in life and every, all the, the, we'll just say the good, the bad, the ugly, but I'll add in the beautiful. Every, every moment in our life that we have experienced, that we can recall, every single moment is what has led us to where we are right now. Right, and and so we don't want to live in denial of the past. You want to actually integrate it. It's it's who you are. Like you're wearing this this seamless garment of life, uh, and so you got some some beautiful embroidery on there, <laughs> and you got some ugly spaghetti stains, right? But those but, <laughs> snags here, right? Now. But they're but that's that's who you are, right? Now it doesn't mean you glorify the spaghetti stains and say, hey, that's great. I I want to try that again. I want to do that some more. <laughs> No, what you, what you do is you see those as, like, this has made you the man or the woman that you are today, all of that experience in the past, but also what it's going to do is prepare you for the future. Mm-hmm. You know, the image that helped get me out of that was to realize that God is always pouring his blessings and his grace and his love upon us, but a lot of times we're just not receiving it. Right. And during those times when I was running away from him, he was trying to bless me, and he was trying to love me, but I wasn't in a place to receive yeah. it. But if you're able to stop for a second and let your heart unite with the heart of God and look at that past of yours that might have some darkness and some shame attached to it and make the choice to love and pour bless, to bless that person the way that God was trying to, mm-hmm. um, that can really be a path to powerful personal integration. Yeah. Wow. You're using a lot of big $3 words, and we're so appreciative <laughs> of that. Uh, Ziggy, um, we are on the sort of third basic principle uh, for evangelization, from the Decalogue for evangelization, to live for the future in the present, informed by history. We're going to continue this conversation on the other side of a break. But before we take that break, I want to remind folks at home, we've got a great website, thecatholiccafe.com. Also, I would love to hear from you. Send me an email, deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. And like us on Facebook, on Instagram, and Twitter. Like and share our posts and comment on them. It makes a difference. And we'll be back right after this. And this is another great moment in church history. On October 7, 1571, the great naval battle of Lepanto was fought between the Ottoman Turks and an alliance of Catholic kingdoms assembled by Pope Pius V. This titanic sea battle, fought for the freedom of Christianity in Europe, and the preservation of Western civilization was entrusted to the patronage of our Blessed Mother through the intercession of Our Lady of Victory. The Ottoman Turks had been trying to dominate the Mediterranean Sea with their navy for many years. They slowly captured small Christian outposts and sold much of the population into slavery. The Ottoman armies were brutal and merciless. They sought to exterminate Christianity from all of Europe. After the Turks began the conquest of Cyprus, a small island in the Mediterranean Sea, all Christian Europe became alarmed. 
Pope Pius V recognized the threat from the Turkish forces and convinced the political rulers of the day to form an alliance that might defend the Christian people of Europe from the threat of the Ottoman Turks. Pius assembled the brave knights of Malta, the Kingdom of Spain, the Venetians, and several other Italian kingdoms into a naval force that was finally able to challenge Turkish naval dominance. The last knight of Christendom, Don Juan of Austria, led the Christian forces. On the day of the great Battle of Lepanto, the Pope implored all of Christian Europe to seek the intercession of Our Lady of Victory through praying the Rosary. As the Christian ships met the Ottoman host on the turbulent seas, Pius V led a rosary procession through St. Peter's Square in Rome. The entire endeavor was given over to the care of the Blessed Virgin Mary. The Pope was given a vision, which assured him that the Christian forces had prevailed. There was a great foreboding that the Christian forces were going to fail against the superior Turkish fleet, but through the Pope's faith and the intercession of Our Lady of Victory, the Christian fleet miraculously carried the day and drove the enemy ships out of Christian waters. The Turkish losses were so great that they were never able to recoup their strength as a mighty naval power. Pius V commemorated the Christian victory at Lepanto through the Blessed Mother's intercession by establishing the Feast of Our Lady of Victory. Pope Paul VI changed the name of the feast to Our Lady of the Rosary. This feast day is celebrated on October the 7th. I'm Bess Rozimski, and this has been another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And yes, I am Deacon Jeff, and I'm sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe with Tom Dorian and Ziggy Rodriguez, and we are talking about the Decalogue for Evangelization. Yes, we are. The top ten principles in my own little life. Number three. This is number three, where we say to live for the future in the present, informed by history. And one of the things I love about this concept is that like so many things from a Catholic perspective, like there's a, a life in balance, right? And, and um, we talk about things uh, like lived out in moderation, mm-hmm. right? And, and that excessiveness, um, even back to look at like the Aristotelian virtues and things where they, they, they rest in between these, you know, excessive on one side and totally repressed on another, how that can be an we'll say an unhappy life right and and so from our own um um experience in in church uh in church living the church um you, you know we realize that balance is beautiful and then when things get out of balance it can be a problem mm-hmm. right so in other words if we're going to live for the future if you're living to- totally for the future and you end it there Right. Well, you might have a very distorted view of what you have to do. So you're going to be like hoarding all your uh, foods, and I don't. You know, there's just going to be something about um, you can't live totally in the future. You can't think always about what's going to happen. And be just worry, constant right. worry, anxiety, fear um, will will eventually take over. Right. I don't know anybody who's living for the future who's living in bliss. Right. <laughs> and, and, and then, of course, if you live totally in the present, it's the here and now. You can also get into big trouble because you're all of a sudden it's going to be about the pleasures. It's going to be about what makes me happy about this right now. Mm-hmm. Right. And the other destructive thing is if um, if you're living totally in the in the present, 
you're not worried about the future, but you're also, you don't learn from your past, mm. right? And that can be problematic, certainly. And then, of course, if you're just living in the past, we've met people like that who are, who are always thinking that, like, oh, we can't make this change. We can't change that. We can't do that. We can't grow. We can't, we've got to go to our comfort spot. We've got to be here. And they're, and they're, they're scared to move. Um, and so you start to realize that what that essentially means is if we're evangelizing and we're evangelizing a church that never changes, and, and that now I want to be clear about the word change. I don't mean that we abandon eternal truths. Right. But if we live in a church that is, that is essentially bound and gagged by the past, mm-hmm. right, or a church that only lives in the present, which there's a lot of churches that essentially crop up to answer present and current needs. Mm-hmm. And then certainly we can't be a church that only like, well, it's all miserable now. It's horrible. This is awful. But one day we hope. Right, and it's like you—you've got to invite people, like I said, into that eternity, but see the balance that comes to us in knowing a, a church that has lived through a certain history mm-hmm. and well survived, who is who is essentially flourished, grown. There's history to the church, right? And then a church that's relevant to today, as well as a church that that really is the hope for the future, because mm-hmm. it's going to continue to be here. Right. So um, now, with that said, let's look at some of these individual um, concepts. How do you? How do you? Let's talk about hope for a second. I mean, that's one of our theological virtues, right? Mm-hmm. Faith, hope, and love. So, how do we? How do we have hope, and and what does that mean? So, one way I've come to look at hope in terms of the relationship between hope and faith is, uh, I, I think of it as a, a heart knowledge of God's faithfulness. That mm. even when we're not faithful, that we can we can be we can trust in God's faithfulness to his promises, even if things look bleak and dim and dark and they don't make sense. Mm-hmm. Amidst that, we can trust, we have reason to trust, and it's making the choice to trust that God will be faithful to every promise he's ever made. Right. And we're and again, that's the way to live for the future. I mean, you want to live in hope awesome right and what i love about the faith hope and love those theological virtues is it's one of those kind of things where it's like you can't choose just two <laughs> you've got to have all three right if, if you don't have faith and love you're not going to have hope if you don't have faith and hope you're not going to have love it's like it's like they're 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 interconnected mm-hmm. eternally uh, connected and they they feed off of each other and they uh, they they literally uh, are bound together and there's almost a oneness to it and again it's kind of like the past present future thing there there it's there's this this seamless garment of of the theological virtues and so that hope is something that is uh, it's beautiful but we don't want to live exclusively in in the hope but we can we we should always have hope. Well, and the tricky thing about hope is if we're coming at looking at hope with, well, I hope that one day I have that mansion, or if I hope one right. day some temporal thing will work out, mm-hmm. you know, um, whatever it might be, we're putting our hope in that thing. Right. Therefore, we're putting that as our God. Therefore, we're actually, that's despair that's masquerading around as hope. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, and, and, and you look at that from the perspective of what, what hope actually is. Hope is not... Um, like you said, um, well, I'm I'm only living in case so that I can possibly one day win the lottery, <laughs> right? And you start to think about that. It's like, well, no hope essentially is is that that um, 
that feeling of of peace and joy that comes from knowing the Lord, right? It's that's a reassurance. It is goodness, right? That and that's what gives you hope. That they're they're connected to each other. Now, I, I do also want to mention this idea of living in the present. I mean, we don't want to ignore. Um, the present and the needs of the world and the present world and so technology moves on so the church needs to understand all those things and the church does Mm -hmm. and if you look at some of the eternal truths taught by the church you see that they actually are uh, very applicable to today's uh, world and so the church is not outdated Mm -mm. it never gets outdated it's always relevant for the present but a lot of people are always afraid to to uh, to use it as any kind of guideline to so, say, well, you know, this is 2,000-year-old, these old dusty old creeds and things like that. I mean, those are ni- they were nice back then, right? But now we've got electricity, and so everything changes. Well, right. when is self-sacrificing love not the thing that is needed in any given moment? Right. I mean, yeah. it, that's, that's the, it's always going to be the answer. It's the deepest truth, deepest grain of truth of the universe. And the one I love, though, is informed by history. I mean, you learn from your mistakes, but also you learn what's right and what's good and what's holy. And I think you will see, like, being informed by history is a way we should evangelize because specifically, I mean, these young people right now, I mean, you've got these young ladies that are wearing veils. I think it's a beautiful custom. I think it's a beautiful idea that they're trying to incorporate some kind of sense of tradition in their lives that maybe they didn't experience growing up because they have a hunger for history. Mm -hmm. They have a hunger for tradition. So we should be... At least presenting, we don't want to get rid of Latin or get rid of chanting. Uh, oh, polyphony, the beautiful music and some of the great traditions. We need to we need to, to uh, uh, envelope ourselves or or be surrounded by the saints and realize the great wisdom that we're spoken by these these men and women of of the ages, uh, the great writings of the church. I mean, our history is 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 profound, and and even the bad things in our history, like we talked about before. Let's learn from the mistakes and understand where our humanity has failed us, where God has lifted us back up. And so we need to see um, and evangelize essentially in the future, right, for the future, but in the present, right, making it relevant to today and certainly to constantly be informed by history. Because I, I think that the, 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 as soon as we forget one of those three things, our evan- evangelization uh, is less likely to succeed because it rings it rings hollow. It's more of a flash in the pan. It becomes a moment for somebody to say, you know, and they raise their hands up in the air, mm-hmm. right? And uh, that wasn't very exciting, but you know, it's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> so live for the future in the present, informed by history. This is how we need to evangelize, Amen. and we also need to ask our Blessed Mother always and at every time to be with us, to guide us, to lead us to her Son. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and in the hour of our death. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. Visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com. You can also find us on iTunes or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe, serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time.